Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I am going to talk about a very, oh, how shall I say, important topic that we're being lied to about, uh, shocker, and it's actually really affecting our food supply and it's increasing fear and scarcity tactics um, around our food supply, around our health, and it's actually a really important food supply of ours, which is chickens and eggs. So we've seen uh, several cases of so-called avian bird flu increased by the millions uh, starting in 2022. And this 2023, they're on the track to even um, go above and beyond that number. And they, I mean, the CDC and the federal government, they're right on track to continue to basically call, kill chickens, um, claiming that they're dangerous and these are bird flu cases. So after looking beneath the surface to see what's really going on here, um, it's actually shockingly, right, not avian bird flu. And I'm going to reveal what's really going on and what you can do about it because if you haven't noticed, I'm sure many of you have, in most places, at least in the US, eggs are flying off the shelf, they're becoming less available, and it's not because people are buying them, uh, but it's because more and more flocks are being, quote unquote, diagnosed with avian bird flu, and thereby preventing the sale of eggs, and uh, driving up the price of eggs as well. So I'm going to talk about this. It's an important topic. And before I get into the, the whole chicken, eggs, and bird flu scams, um, I want to shed some light on the sunlight diet. And it's actually not a diet per se, but a way of eating that ties in our food choices, our food supply with sunlight, and how to make your dietary decisions not based on these fad, restrictive, dogmatic diets, um, you know, that's, there's a new one that seems to come out every year, every other year that everyone in the mainstream tries. And some people have some short-term success and no one has long-term success, nor are they sustainable long-term. But the sunlight diet, it's a way of eating and living that reconnects this huge disconnect that's been made between us and our food choices. And that is the connection between food and sunlight. And this is what helps you individuate your diet. 
where you live determines, should be the number one determining factor in what should I eat? Because sunlight is going to vary depending on where you live. And without sunlight, our food cannot grow or be nutritious. Um, and at the same time, our body, when it's in the sunlight that's growing our food, uh, your gut, your liver, your uh, brain can more so utilize, assimilate, absorb the nutrients in your food. And your mitochondria benefit in huge ways also. So the sunlight diet teaches you how to eat according to nature, sunlight, and seasons to support your health long term. So whether you suffer from a metabolic issue, anemia, weight struggles, uh, blood sugar issues, etc., the sunlight diet is structured to help you improve your health. And you can go to my site, heathershepherd.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Go to the sunlight diet and um, you can get a copy of the PDF of the sunlight diet and start utilizing this diet. And it's not a diet, you go, oh, I'll do this for a week. No, this is a diet that once you have it, you get it down, it will sustain you literally for the rest of your life. And this is because it was designed by nature, not by human beings or science or all the other fancy words and how all the other diets were created that don't work. Let's talk chickens. There's a major issue going on with the so-called avian bird flu. And let me tell you, there's no avian bird flu. What there is, um, what, what there are representatives from the CDC knocking on farmers doors, knock, 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 but here, how do they, how do they know who's farming and who's not? Well, this is depend determined by how you file taxes. Some farmers file for agriculture, agricultural breaks and exemptions, which, um, can be, can be positive in the sense that you save some cash on farm expenses. You have some more, um, you know, equipment and whatnot that you can write off. But the other side of the coin that isn't so great is that they know you farm and they can show up at your door and they can at least try to regulate how you farm um, or don't farm. And they can put you out of business. So this has been the case with all the bird flu cases that started escalating in 2022 and they're continuing to grow this 2023 already. Now, here's how the case, the, the cases of bird flu, here's how this is going. So a representative from the CDC has a list. Okay, here's a list of people who file for agricultural taxes. Let's go knock on their door one by one. And this is literally what they're doing. So, and then some of course have records on the type of agricultural that each person practices poultry, hogs, wheat, corn, cattle, et cetera, right? So the CDC rep goes down their list, shows up, knock, 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 um, typically unnamed at your at the farmer's door and uh, says, hey, we're here to test your flock for avian bird flu. And the appropriate response from the farmer is 
no, you're not allowed to do that. If you'd like to do so, bring back a warrant. That would be, that would be um, a great response. <laughs> um, so, but most farmers say, oh yeah, okay, come in. Like, I want to see if um, these chickens have bird flu. We really better know. It's going to be a threat to us and our flock and our business and our customers and illegal, you know, suit, et cetera. So here comes the CDC, test a few birds, and they're using the same PCR test that they use to test for C19. And I know there's been a lot of information out there, probably many of you are aware, especially if you're listening to this podcast, that a PCR test is wholly inaccurate, can basically find the founder of the test. Um, said, hey, if you want to find anything in the body, just run the PCR test. It's like Russian roulette. It's bound to come up positive. There, you know, so there's going to be false positives, false negatives. It's whatever you want to find. You can find it with this test. It's not designed to give an accurate reading or diagnosis on um, particularly viral infections. In the PCR test, they started using it... Um, way back when in the beginning of HIV, when that was really prominent and on the rise, saying that HIV, um, if you test positive for HIV, then you're at a greater risk of AIDS. And interestingly, you see everybody and probably most people listening to this podcast say, oh yeah, HIV, AIDS, we link these two things. And it has been shown, and a lot of people have researched this, that the HIV virus, there's been, they also use PCR testing. And so there's been a lot of the same thing that's happened with COVID. Oh yeah, you have HIV. Oh yeah, you have HIV. When some people, or many people likely, don't have HIV and didn't have HIV, it's because this test produces a lot of false positives. And so, um, there, the, the founder of the PCR test and many other researchers from that point on who are really looking accurately at this issue have not found a correlation between HIV and AIDS. And there's a lot I can say about that. And there's a lot from a homeopathic perspective as well as what actually is really causing um, somebody to be susceptible to the AIDS virus. I'm not going to get into that today, but they were using the same exact methodology and brainwashing back then that they're using now. They're just not calling it HIV. We're, yeah, we're testing for C19, and now we're testing chickens for bird flu. And so a PCR test, of course, it's going to, you can test, um, you can test anything. You can test a banana. You can test a pile of dog shit. You can test melted snow. You can test somebody for HIV. You can test somebody for C19. You can test a baby cat. <laughs> and you're going to get some positives and some negatives for whatever you're testing for. This is how the PCR, when you use the PCR test in this way, the results will come back. Russian roulette style. 
So you can also test a flock of chickens. Wow, how convenient. So CDC, knock, 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 testing for avian bird flu, it's for your own benefit. You don't want a lawsuit. You don't want unhappy customers, you know. And so here we are, they're threatening you. They're saying all these things that can happen to you if you don't test your flock for avian bird flu. Now, let's say you have a flock of mm, 100 chickens. If one chicken tests positive on their PCR avian bird flu test, the entire flock has to be called, has to be killed. So um, their flocks that they're testing are, are typically bigger than 100. We're talking about thousands to millions. They're starting with the big farmers. They're going in and they're also targeting cage-free because if they're not in a cage, if they're cage-free, they're more susceptible to avian bird flu from wild birds. Oh my gosh, this is exactly what they're saying and they're targeting cage-free birds. And just arbitrarily, uh, Cal California pushes for cage-free birds. I think they can only, some areas at least, there's only allowed cage-free birds. So this is how California can like, um, um, come across as this liberal and like, you know, health for the animals and all this type of, you know, um, mentality that California is known for. And then, um, but then they say, oh, well, now that we've got everybody cage free, let's go get them. Let's go control them even more, which California is so good at. I mean, all the states are, let's be real, but California takes the cake. So now we got them all cage-free. Let's go in and they're at high risk for avian bird flu. Test all of them, PCR for avian bird flu. Oh, one, of, one chicken out of the flock, out of a, a hundred or a thousand, doesn't matter, a million. One chicken test positive, they kill the entire flock. So... This is, they're saying, um, to benefit the public. We want to protect them from being threatened or, or come down with avian bird flu. In November 2022, 1.8 million chickens were killed in Nebraska alone for this reason. In October 2022, 1 million chickens were killed in Iowa. And they're calling this the equivalent of the C19 pandemic in birds um, to make you scared, to make you think it's threatening, to make you think that this is a really good idea they've come up with and how protected I feel by them. It's total BS. So now this is literally just another step that the government is taking to try and control the food supply. We've seen these measures. They're doing ridiculous things like, um, having actors um, stand in front of the camera and say, you shouldn't eat meat anymore, you should go vegan. And in fact, you should eat bugs. Um, Nicole Kidman, I saw a video of her doing this. I'm like, what, really? Like you needed the extra cash to do this? Like you needed the extra cash to, to 
sway the public to not eat meat and to instead eat insects. Birds should eat insects. That's that would be fitting, okay? Um, so they they do a really good job of creating this scarcity mode. They don't want you to be nourished. They don't want you to be thriving. They want you to be sick because you get to stay in their system. They want you to eat the foods that they are genetically engineering. They want to control how you think and what you eat and what medicines you have available to you. Is it arbitrary that just this year the FDA has decided to, that homeopathic remedies are unsafe? And um, so thereby we are going to now take them off of the market and people can't buy them. You see, this trend is continuing with our food choices, with our medicine choices, with our work choices. Some places of work <laughs> are saying you have, okay, work at home online, don't come in person. Stand in front of your computer and work in front of the computer online and Wi-Fi all day. But we're still going to require you to get a C19 jab. Really? I mean, these are the ludicrous things. And people are going to become, they, they don't do, um, typically they don't do these things um, like full on. Like they're not going to take everything away all at once. I just inch by inch so that um, you become used to it. And I'm not saying this to be like, let's be scared, you know, and let's be fearful. No, let's take this into our own hands. They're obviously not going to help us. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you some suggestions as to um, how you can take more control over your food source and especially eggs right now and chicken and et cetera. Um, because just just because they're taking them off our shelves and doing this ridiculous practice and slowly putting farmers out of business doesn't mean you have to go along with it and doesn't mean that you're the victim. We can do things to counter what they're doing. And in fact, we can take this opportunity to say, hey, I've been thinking about getting chickens. I've been thinking about doing a little homesteading. I've been thinking about Hey, I, I spend so much money on eggs. What if I just had a few chickens and could do that myself? This is the time to do those things. This is the perfect opportunity. They're setting the stage for us to take the power into our own hands. And if we can look through the lens in this way versus we're victims and now I can't eat eggs and, you know, et cetera, it's like, no, we're more powerful than that. They're, they actually don't have that much power and there's a lot we can do about it. And literally when they tell you, this is the message they continue to say is that by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll like it. That's their words. Like really? Is And, and this is the message. And then people are gonna like, listen to that. Yeah, I like it. I won't own anything. I'll pay rent for this little tiny space and, um, you know, I won't have any agriculture, but, you know, I'll just depend on them. That's where they're taking this. And that's where that we have to reverse this. And actually by 2030, we'll be, we will own things and actually we will be self-sufficient. So, um, 
many people will get on board with this and then, you know, gradually they'll take rights away or quote or or make you feel like your rights are removed. Um, and, and a lot of people will go along with this, but I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, F that, um, what can we do to rectify this? So I'll talk about that here really soon. But I just want to, um, so if you go and after you listen to this episode and you start looking into this issue a little bit more, um, here's how they're conveying the bird flu to the public. I'll give you a little heads up here so you can keep an eye out for it. So you can um, know what to look for when you're researching this if you choose to do so for yourself. So one, um, I found this article, actually my neighbor sent it to me and I'll tell you about him in just a minute because he's a trip and he helped open my eyes to this issue. But this article on, I think it was Yahoo News, um, read outbreak of bird flu has killed millions of hens. So you read the headline and you're like, oh shit, here's the bird flu. I think I should be scared. A lot of people won't read past the headline and they'll just say, oh my God, here's the bird flu, killing millions of hens, we're doomed, right? But I encourage you, if you see articles like this, to read through the article. It can be helpful because the message will start to shift and the way they portray the message will also typically start to shift the deeper you get into it. Because if you read further into this article, if you go down a few paragraphs, it reads, um, bird flu that has killed tens of millions. And so um, now, it, now it went from killed millions to killed tens of millions. And then if you keep reading, Moore's revealed, that should now make you more suspicious where they quote and say, they had to kill 50 million chickens, okay? So we went from millions to tens of millions to they had to kill 50 million. And then you keep reading and um, people will just stop reading. You know, they'll either just read the headline or they'll read a few sentences, right? And then they'll stop reading and they'll think they know exactly what the article says and be able to come to conclusions and et cetera. But if you keep going on, it says at the bottom of this article, more than 57 million chickens and turkeys have died or been called. Called is just a terminology for when either you sell a chicken or you kill a chicken. And in this case, they're not selling any chickens, they're killing them. So you see, as you go through the article, the message shifts, the language shifts. And um, more than 57 million chickens and turkeys have died or been called, or been called. They, they throw that in there at the end. Globally, 140 million chickens they have called since last October, 2022. Okay, see where they're headed? Total BS. And they have the whole world thinking that there's a freaking avian bird flu pandemic on the rise. As a result, what are we seeing? Well, we're not seeing eggs on the grocery store shelves. And when we do see them, you know, we thought they were expensive in the past, like seven bucks a dozen for good eggs. And now they're 10 up. 
this is not sustainable. And, um, you know, my wife and I live in a really rural area and we go into town to the store once a week at most, more often it's like every two, three weeks. And, um, you know, we have freezers with local pastured meat in them and we have hearty squashes around and root veggies because it's tis the season for that. And, um, you know, when we do go into the store, we stock up on things like butter and cream and we have those things on hand. Um, and we make our own bone broths and, you know, et cetera. So we're, we, we have, and we don't eat packaged foods or, you know, et cetera. So we aren't getting our chicken flock, however, until March, just due to the weather, it's still cold here. There's snow on the ground. It's too cold for baby chicks. So, um, we've been buying our eggs at the store. Now, I didn't realize the extent of this bird flu BS until a few weeks ago when I went um, to literally three different stores and found zero eggs. There were no eggs on, on the shelves. And um, so I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I literally eat eggs every day. My wife eats eggs every day. It's a huge part of our diet. I give our dog a raw egg every day in her, in her uh, raw meat and organs that she gets. And um, so I was like, okay, what are we going to do? I know our neighbor has a flock of chickens. And so I called him to see if, do you have any extra? And thankfully he did. He had a surplus and we now get our eggs from him until it's warm enough and we can get our own flock. So if you're thinking about starting your own flock, um, now's the time to learn about it. And I'll give you some resources here in a few. Um, and, and plan for when the spring comes, it's a perfect time to get baby chicks. So when I went to his house and I told him what inspired me to call him, you know, I was like, hey, there's no eggs. And, uh, you know, so I need some eggs. And, and he said, you know, this is a complete scam. And I was like, I knew we moved to a good village. I knew we moved to a good neighborhood. And okay, tell me more what's going on here. And so he told me the whole story around the avian bird flu and the PCR test and the CDC going in and calling flocks. And this inspired me to research the topic more thoroughly and do this episode for you all because um, this is a really important topic to understand. Uh, chickens and eggs are a huge part of our food um, chain and has been for a very long time. So, um, so this has actually been an, an eye-opening and a positive shift um, for, for me personally, because now I got this insight on what's really going on. And now I'm able to buy eggs and support my local community and my neighbor while waiting for my flock. So here's the deal. I want you all to start your own flock too, because I want you to be more self-sustainable. I don't want when shit continues to hit the fan and the government continues to try to control us and our food supply and our medical choices and et cetera, which go on my site and literally for a dollar, you can get the homeopathic home kit guide, which lists the most common remedies that you need to treat acutes 
and acutes in your children. And it's literally a dollar and you can buy these remedies that I list all of them and where to get them, whether you live overseas or in the States. And um, so you can be prepared when they take homeopathic remedies and remove them from our shelves that you have your own medical choices on hand there available to you. That's a homeopathic home kit guide. I wanted to share that with you. But um, I encourage you to start your own flock also. Um, chickens literally are the easiest backyard animal to raise. Yeah, there's a few things you need to know about them, how to prevent frostbite and, and what not to feed them and what to feed them and what like vegetable scraps that they can't have. They can't have chocolate. They can't have avocado, you know, and th there are certain things they, they don't do well with and they can't have. But for the most part, they're, they're like a composting machine. And, you know, this isn't, they aren't a big expense. You don't need um, an extensive amount of space to have chickens. All you need is... Um, to not live in ridiculous HOA restrictions if it says no chickens. Hey, maybe you can still get chickens. Don't just don't get a rooster and don't tell um <laughs> don't tell the found the leader of your HOA what are they gonna do? You know, they bring them some eggs and maybe they won't even say anything. I mean, I'm that's ridiculous if somebody can't have a chicken. I mean, honestly, most places you can. And you don't need an extensive amount of space to have chickens and to have them sustainably and healthily and affordably. Um, and like I mentioned, they're the best composters. They're the best recyclers. One thing that kind of really truly gets under my skin is that people throw away too much garbage and we don't burn our waste that can be burned or, and we don't recycle. I mean, recycling really is just another I don't believe half the shit gets recycled at the recycling center. I hope it does, but I, I'm really, uh, I, I'm a little skepticism around that. Um, but chickens are your best recycling bin. Literally, they turn your waste and other animal waste. Let's say you have other animals on your property. You have pigs, you have sheep, you have ghosts, ghosts, you have goats. They will literally transform other species. They will pick the parasites and bugs out because they thrive on those foods and they will eat them and they will make your, um, the environment, the landscape, your yard, um, a healthier place, a better place. And they'll bring nutrients into the soil. And um, they're literally one of nature's most nourishing foods. So, I want to share this with you. Now, I recently just learned this last week and I was like, this is awesome. People need to know this. This is really good. This is the stuff we need to know. So a city in Belgium gave three chickens to each household to anybody that wanted them. So they said, hey, this this little city this in Belgium, say, hey, you know, for anyone who wants three chickens, we're going to give you three chickens. Who wants them? Raise your hand. We'll bring them over. So there were 2,000 families that said, yeah, sure, I'll take three chickens. So uh, that's easy math. So 6,000 chickens went out to the residents of this community. And just in the first month, it dropped 100 tons of food waste 
from the landfill. So it was a hundred tons of waste less than prior to the chickens, just by having the chickens. That's a massive freaking reduction. Think of all the food you throw away. <clears throat> I refuse to throw away food. If we're not gonna eat it, I'll compost it. Now, if we have a, uh, if we have one bag of garbage per week, it's a lot because I burn the paper waste, you know, the packaging, the meat comes in, any cardboard burned, uh, anything paper burned. And um, every single, every single piece of food from bones to eggshells to veggie scraps goes in our food compost. And, um, in the future, starting in March, we'll go to our flock really soon. And so people started researching this waste reduction that happened in Belgium just by having chickens. And they found that if one in three households had enough chickens to eat your scraps, your food scraps that were left over and be thrown away, et cetera, there would literally be zero need for an egg industry and a hell of a reduction in waste. Meaning the chickens got fed and they produced enough eggs to quite literally feed the entire population. One in three households. These are the type of like changes we dream about on Instagram or Pinterest or wherever the heck we see these chicken farmers or fancy egg. You don't need a freaking $50,000 chicken coop. You could make a chicken coop very minimally from recycled wood or, um, you know, some uh, chicken wiring and steel wiring. It doesn't have to be a freaking glamorous 50K, 100K chicken coop. That's ridiculous. I mean, sure, if you have money to do stuff like that and you just love chickens, by all means. But... You don't have to do this. You don't need that in order to start having, you know, starting your flock. You don't need that. It's super easy. And you can use the um, thriftiest materials to make a solid and safe chicken coop. So, um, here we go. Let's talk about how, um, just some suggestions for you to, what, what do you need when it comes to starting your own flock? My recommendation is to get at least three birds. They do, you need at least a few birds because when it's cold outside, in order for them to stay warm, they huddle together during sleep. So they perch and they sleep really close together and they use each other's body heat in order to stay warm. So don't just get one chicken, get at least three. So they have community, they have camaraderie and they have heat. Okay. So that's why I suggest getting at least three birds. Um, and the more people in your household get more birds. And if you're like, Hmm, maybe I should start a, a chicken laying egg business get more birds, sell them to your community. Amazing idea. Everybody wants eggs today. 
So um, if, you, if you're like, this sounds awesome, Heather, but I have no idea where to start. Okay, so start by um, number one, having this conversation with your partner or your spouse or whoever you live with, if you live with other people or your kids, start the conversation. Then look outside your door, go walk around. Where could we put the coop? Okay, look around. Then start to look up how do you build a coop? Literally, it's so easy. And if you're like, I can't build anything, I'm not handy like that, you can buy coops that tell you, that give you all the materials and say, here's how you do it and list it out in instructions. Just do whatever is going to be easiest for you to start your flock. A great starter book. Um, this is the one, a book that I started with is the Homesteaders Natural Chicken Keeping Handbook. Um, and I believe it's by Amy Faywell. And um, it's a really good book. It's a great starter book. And there's Sorry about that. And there's also another book that um, I actually just bought and I have not read it yet. Um, what is the name of that book? I believe it's Backyard Chickens. So um, that can be another book that I would, I would recommend you start with. And um, let me think if there's some other starter tips. Literally just start the conversation. And there's some really good resources out there for you. Now everybody's making their own chicken coops. Everybody is starting to raise chickens. It's becoming uh, the new thing, but there's really actually some huge benefits from it. Self-sustainability and affordability. And now that they're taking like eggs and probably chicken meat from us, um, this is really a good way to become self-empowered and um, to start your own flock. So uh, let's see if anybody has chicken questions, feel free to reach out. Like I said, I'm just getting started with my own uh, chicken flock journey. We're getting our coop together. We're um, prepping where we're going to put it. We're brainstorming all this. We're getting enough chickens also to support our community and also to support people who come and stay on our land. We are uh, starting this spring, we're going to offer um, Sunlight RX retreats and EMF free retreats um, where you can come to our land, stay. We literally, there's no Wi-Fi on the property. There's no cell service. Everything's hardwired. And um, I feel great here. It's, it's a really, really, we're in, in a fortunate place to be able to um, not be around. All, we've, we've made a conscious decision that we said, okay, we're not going to live in the middle of the city because we're not going to be able to have the amount of animals we want and be able to be self-sustainable. We're going to move a little bit out of the city so we can have a flock and we can also be um, more disconnected from the Wi-Fi, the cell phones, et cetera. And there's more satellites in um, cities as well, okay? And so, of course, if you live in a city, there's ways you can stay protected, but this was our conscious choice. And so now we're out here um, on the land. We have about five acres that we 
grow and cultivate and we have 30 acres behind us which we hike in sunlight rx on and it's a really we're prepping the space for people to be able to come and enjoy this experience and learn hey this is what it feels like to be disconnected this is what it feels like to eat real food um etc so i'm excited to offer that to um to you all this 2023 also starting this spring i'll give you another reference for anybody on instagram i follow um i think it, i don't i don't think it's a hashtag i think it's just a general it's a, anyway it's only underscore chicken underscore lovers and they actually have some really good info on you can watch or read posts that they put out and they're really good they're really informative they're very helpful and so um hopefully those resources will help you get started Next week, I'm going to be talking about the almost 5,000% increase that, you heard me right, 5,000% increase in study, sudden cardiac events in kids and young adults and athletes that have occurred since the C19 jab. And I'm going to tell you why this is happening, what you can do about it. Until then, Happy chicken raising, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.